This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Lieutenant General Michael Gruen, the Director of the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center in the Department of Defense. General Gruen, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Jason. Really, really appreciate the opportunity to be here. I think this will be great. It's been a great ride so far for the Jake, the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center. Uh, there's been so much happening over the last three years, and that's where I kind of want to start. When DOD created the Jake three years ago, it had this kind of vision of, of where AI can be, what AI can do for the Defense Department broadly. So let's talk about where you are today and how that mission has evolved over the last couple of years. The folks who wrote the AI strategy and who got the Jake started you know, three years ago really had a really good mindset for this because I think we are still like on track with that strategy. Although, you know, some of, obviously some of our missions have evolved and some of our uh, opportunities have evolved, but all of this I think is consistent with what the, you know, the platform that the Jake was supposed to provide right from the get go. So our mission, you know, accelerate DOD's adoption and integration of AI to achieve mission impact at scale. And so in the early days, and we've gone through a couple of phases uh, here already. And I think, you know, when you think about like adoption and integration, in the early days, the, uh, the, the Jake was all about adoption and it was promoting adoption. And, and, and the Jake largely did that through building capabilities, you know, to illuminate the process, to illuminate possible use cases for artificial intelligence in the defense enterprise, and, to, and, and, and basically just try to, to, to teach and to, and, to, and to demonstrate what was possible in this space. We have shifted a little bit from that, those early days of demonstration to, for adoption. And we shifted to a, to a phase of, of enabling. And so now we started to offer a whole range of uh, enabling capabilities to help uh, organizations across the department. And that, you know, that includes all the services, obviously. But think about all of the agencies in the department, the Defense Health Agency, the Defense Logistics Agency, uh, the Defense Contracting Agency. I mean, so all of these organizations, many of them really dri- driven by data and really have data at their heart for their mission accomplishment. And so we're able to reach out into those organizations as well and then help them find their path, help them find their path to self-sufficiency in the AI space and the data space. So that's really cool. The, the other half of that mission, you know, adoption and integration. I think this is kind of where we are today and that is integration of capabilities. So we build them, you know, we can enable organizations across the department to build them now we need to start talking about integration because, because today we have a thousand wildflowers blooming and they're all over the place. Some of them are shiny objects. Some of them are demonstration capabilities. But to really integrate these capabilities into a cohesive enterprise is going to require a purposeful vision for the platforms, purposeful vision for how we're going to use data, purposeful vision for how we're going to build like the supporting architecture that supports a concept like JADC2, for example. I mean, this is, this is like a really important phase that I think that we're entering this integration phase. And, and this, this, you know, this may take a while, right? Because we've got a lot of work that's already, already done and a lot of things that we have to now try to integrate into, a, into an enterprise. And I think that there's probably another phase beyond integration, and that is the professionalization of this enterprise. Because I think once you have sort of the technical foundations built and you're starting to operate that, then we need to professionalize that. And what, what I mean by that is, you know, professional workforce development, you know, a, you know clear uh, cadre and, uh, and, and uh, approach to training 
AI expertise and the related, you know, data expertise and all the other things that we need to, you know, to be, to be efficient here. I think it means things like accountability, right? Like, like, do we know where all of our money is going and is it prioritized in the right places? Uh, it means metrics, you know, measuring our AI readiness or our data readiness as a department. So like we're, we're, we're poking at all of those things today, but like I say, in the, you know, in the early years yet, of this, you know, broad. This is a generational transformation that we're that we're underway uh, in, and so as we build and grow and now start to get to a cohesive enterprise, a professional enterprise that's predictable and trackable and has metrics, then uh, then we're really going to be somewhere. I would, you know, a related conversation. Like I never had this conversation without talking about the competition, right? In the artificial intelligence space. Um, this is expected to be a $16 trillion enterprise by, by 2030. And when I say that, th we're talking about the, the role of artificial intelligence in the global economy, right? So it already is a massive enterprise, but it's expected to grow to a $16 trillion enterprise. You think about uh, not just military competitiveness, but national competitiveness as a nation and as a Department of Defense. I mean, we need to be on top of this, right? We need to ride this wave. We need to leave this wave of transformational capabilities. And, you know, I, I, I think of it in the same, through the same lens as, you know, gunpowder or the longbow or uh, recon strike or any of these other like, like major generational shifts in military capability, this is exactly what we're, what we're looking at right now. So the folks that are doing in this business, the folks that are listening to this, you guys are making history, right? Uh, you know, and this is a historic change that we're, we're, we're just, at the, just at the beginnings of. All right, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, part of me wants to start with this discussion about the role of AI globally, because I know there's been a lot of discussion most recently around that and, and whether or not the U.S. is behind China or ahead of China. And, and I'll, I'll kind of just leave that door open for you to, if you want to walk through it, but I don't want to spend, a, a, just to be honest, a ton of time on it, because I think there's so much more to talk to than that. But is, is that a big concern for you? Not just China, but, but globally, all the near peer competitors. I don't believe that, that our competitors are ahead of us, but I believe that there, you know, and there's some ways to measure this when you talk about you know, the role of AI in societies and economies and that sort of thing. I mean, you can actually measure that, right? So, and the military capabilities are not far behind that in, in most cases. And so, you know, clearly, um, you know, clearly, you know, when you talk about uh, like, the, like the PRC, you, you know, the PRC has an advantage in organization. And yet I think on the, you know, on the other side of the coin, I think the United States with, with, a, with a fantastic and innovative economic ecosystem in, you know, for AI, and then also like world-class, world-leading universities and academic research in the AI field, I, I think we have, we have significant advantages that, uh, you know, that, that we're, you know, we are now bringing into our, our, our capabilities, both in the economic side and in the military side. So, so I, you know, I, I think there is no doubt that this is hard work. And again, uh, the, you know, the folks that are listening to this are, are, are folks that are participating in the hard work of transforming the Department of Defense, you know, into an organization that can do software really well, for example, right? So, you know, like the Department of Defense, the bones of the department and our processes is in hardware acquisition and building new hardware platforms. Well, we have a pretty major transition now when we start talking about software-derived capabilities. And so the, world, the Department of Defense needs to become a world-class software organization. That doesn't happen overnight. 
And there's lots of sort of bureaucratic inertia that has to be overcome so that we can get momentum to that. Some people get frustrated by that. Some people get frustrated and throw in the towel. I think the vast preponderance, I mean, especially the people that are listening to this, are folks who recognize how hard this is, are working hard, and they're dealing with all of the, the really tough challenges, most of, which, most of which are cultural, not technical, and they, but they're persistent, right? They're resilient, and they're, keep, they're keeping moving here against this really difficult thing. And I think that's, that is the real measure of, of like our competitiveness, right? Do we have the guts to stick it out and make this successful and do it in a way that really does transform the way, you know, the operating model of a Department of Defense and how we, how we do business. And I think we're on a really good path to do that. I appreciate that feedback because I think it's, it's sometimes it's important to understand the, the bigger picture because now I want to go from that 50,000 foot view global to the 10,000 foot view and talk a little bit about that evolution you mentioned. And I, I love the fact you brought up a thousand flowers bloom I think that's one of those terminologies we haven't heard since the 90s. Is that really the, the reason for the shift at, in the Jake and the, how you've evolved? Because the Army had their thing and the Navy had their thing. And, and all of a sudden, all this AI started popping up and it was all really smart, useful. But the standardization and the, and the effectiveness and, and the sharing of that information, all that was kind of happening ad hoc. And, and the Jake can, can kind of evolve to bring, bring those flowers together. This is exactly the, uh, uh, the challenge that we have, right? So the hardware bones in our processes are, are very apparent and our whole culture is driven that way. Services have service unique hardware capabilities and, uh, you know, and, and we use them in different ways and we construct our military capabilities uh, you know, to reflect our service requirements. Just think like we, uh, we started on our path to jointness in 1986, right? And so in 1986, we started on this journey. And so, um, you know, here, here we are 25, 35 years later, and we re- reached sort of a, a, you know, a common understanding of jointness, right? This is mine. That's yours. Let's, and we'll operate together, but we're separate things. Think about when you're talking about like changing the whole data ecosystem and how you make decisions and how you, how you understand the environment around you and how you, uh, you know, how you work together as a force, the transformation we're talking about is much more intrusive than jointness, right? Because this requires you to, to operate in a common data environment. And this requires you to operate with common standards for your AI construction. And this requires you to, to interoperate you know, in decision-making, for example, when everybody in the force has the same situational awareness because we have data available across the department. Well, how do you make decisions in that environment? If 10 organizations can fire on a target that you've identified, how do you decide which one actually should do that so that the other nine can save their ammo, right? Those kind of like operational warfighting decisions and how we take this like really integrated capability, real integrated situational awareness and turn that into military effect. That's, a, that's, a, that's work that, that has yet to be done, right? And so I think that is the cultural transition and the cultural transformation that needs to occur. And, I, and I, again, I, 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 make the, I say the jointness uh, aspect of that because you know, we've, we've been at this before, right? So this is not new. I think this is an even bigger challenge and an even more important transformation that we're gonna have to uh, accomplish. Sir, there's a lot more to talk to. But we're going to take a quick break and come back. We will delve into how you're going to accomplish all, all those uh, challenges you've laid out. My guest today is Lieutenant General Michael Gruen. 
the director of the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center at the Defense Department. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Pure Storage on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Pure Storage on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Lieutenant General Michael Gruen, the director of the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center at the Department of Defense. Now, General Gruen, before break, you laid out kind of the, the where the Jake is going, and you mentioned several different things that I'd like to go into, but let me start with the data piece, because I think that's key to any AI effort. And, and really, it's it's really at the heart of making this more valuable. And, and then there's a ton of challenges around it, right? There's structured data, unstructured data. And, and then you got, you all kicked off an initiative back in September called Data Cards. Walk me through how you're starting to think about data, how you're trying to standardize data, how you're bringing this all together. Yeah, great question, Jason. And obviously it's a team that's, that, that's after this. I mean, the CDO, the chief data officer, and that team is, uh, we, we are absolutely uh, shoulder to shoulder here. And how do we address the massive data challenges that we have across the department? You know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, the department has, you know, is drowning in data. Yeah, you're right. We're drowning in data. And so a lot of it is useless, right? A lot of it is not curated. A lot of it is just falling on the floor. So like getting our data strategies uh, together are, is, is a really important component. And I think that becomes even more important. So, you know, in a static environment, you know, where you're managing data flows and you're getting things lined up, um, you can, you know, we can do that and we can do that today. And we're, we are, we are doing that today, largely under the auspices of the CDO. But when you start thinking about a live environment, you know, now think about a military competition environment where you have sensor data flowing all over the place. You have, uh, uh, you, you know, you have models that are algorithms that are on the, you know, on an operational network. They're listening to that data. They're, 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 they're uh, providing recommendations or insights, inferences. That's, that environment is is the data is now much more much more important but much more difficult right so we we talk a lot about like a data lake or a data pond you know when the image i get you know when you say data lake or data pond is uh you know a um, very sedate it's controlled everything is has its place it has reached a level it's all useful data you know where it is i i think the future force is going to fight with a torrent of data, right? And we're going to have data flowing from every direction. And so the real challenge is going to be like in a dynamic environment where data is just flowing all over the place. It's not about a lake. It's like, how do you, how do you put the right straws in the river? You know, you got Niagara Falls coming at you. How do you steer that data, filter it, curate it, steer it into the places that you need it? This becomes a fight that's like really dynamic. And, and, uh, and so the force has to be ready for this, right? It's this is not sort of data as we know and love it today, where it's it's very careful and you can you know you can put it in a nice box and push it to a, to a, an anticipated place. It's going to be much more challenging than that. So we have to be prepared for that, right? Like we have to think through, you know, a robust data pipeline, especially when you have thousands of live algorithms that are across the battlefield that are generating situational awareness or uh, you know, integrating, integrating capabilities of you know, recommending things to decision makers you know, from the squad leader up to the, uh, you know, the joint force commander. This is gonna be a really tough challenge. And so we've gotta practice that, right? We have to think about building a data environment that, that is dynamic and useful in a, you know, in, in a straight up competitive environment. You know, that means a couple, of, a couple of different things, right? Like we have to, uh, you know, we have, to have a, a solid structure for data platforms. 
where are we going to keep that data? Where are those data sources going to be? We have to think about APIs, right? So like, how are we going to share Air Force data with an Army shooter, for example, or a joint decision maker getting Marine Corps data somewhere? We have to have the API sets established so that we can reach out and touch any data across the environment for any decision maker, right? So we want to be able to quickly pull different sources of data together uh, from across the joint force so that we can inform any decision with that data. That means APIs. That means practice opportunities to, you know, to pull data across, across service lines, especially. We need things like uh, uh, you know, an, an open architecture. And then, and then we, we need things like data cards. And so, that, so I'm glad you asked about that. So uh, we, just, we, we just kicked off a, 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 it's a maturation of things that we'd already been doing. But data cards is, is, a, is, a, is a way to manage both data sets. And we use the same, a similar, a similar uh, methodology for managing algorithms. Model cards, we call those, but a, but a data card, you know, that includes things like the, the the artifacts of the data set, the summaries of that, the metadata associated, with it, so you know what's in it, how it's organized, you know, like how uh, the the methods, you know, by which it was labeled, uh, you know, the procedures that you know, or the currency of the data. So, like all of these things are captured in a data a data card. So that we have, I mean, just like a library, you know, a library index card, you can look up your data quickly to say, hey, I need data from this sensor or about this phenomenology on the battlefield. And you can quickly go find that data and then quickly operate on it because you understand the parameters of that. So this is, this is straight up data science that let's get the data, uh, you know, cataloged. And then once again, and be able to do that catalog in a live dynamic environment so that then we can start acting on it either directly through, you know, regular, you know, uh, analytics or through artificial intelligence to take it to the next level. One of the things when you talk about the, the data platform, and, and I love the analogy of a lake is calm, usually it's, it's, it's you know, where everything is, uh, but, but you're really talking when you brought up the torrent of data, uh, I was thinking the hurricane, right? The, the data is coming from the side, it's coming from, it, it's, it's, there's a groundswell of data the data card is a way to kind of start to address that challenge of, of just over overwhelming the velocity, the volume, the velocity of the data and the value of the data. Is that what the data card is trying to do? At the end of the process, the data card allows a user to identify data that might be useful to their decision-making and integrate it into their process. So you have to have some way to reference. I need this kind of data. I have this problem. How can I get after that data? So a data card will help that user. But the, but the I think I think maybe maybe just as important or maybe even more important on the front end in this torrent of data we have the the, the requirement you know now and going forward to actually you know manage our data flows in ways that we actually do catalog them and we actually do pay attention to where they are and so you know for example if you know if the army builds an AI algorithm that depends on a data stream coming out of the Air Force. Well, then we need to make sure as a joint force that the Air Force knows that there's these dependencies on their data, you know, across the force, right? And so you have to, you know, the, the data card uh, methodology helps us start to get organized in that way so that we can identify dependencies. We can say, whoa, 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 don't stop that data because we're using that for these decisions over here. We, if you didn't have a process like data cards, you wouldn't know that, right? And, and, you, and you could make some pretty bad mistakes. The one thing that occurs to me as you're going through this, the data for you is something different than the data for me, which is something different than the data for somebody else. That, that could be a spider web of information. And really there's no 
integration of that data or the, the dependencies of that data, well, the Army needs it for this, but the Air Force needs it for that, and the, the Navy needs it for one more thing. How's this program going to work? I know it's just getting started, so maybe a little bit early, but walk me through a little bit of the vision for what, what the end result maybe would look like or how you're going to, what's the process to get to that end result? It begins again with a mindset like most of us, and that's the mindset of enterprise data. And so there are lots of people collecting data all over the place. All of that data belongs to the enterprise. It does not belong to the data collector. And so this is a cultural shift, one of many that the department has to go through. You're collecting data so that the joint force can be more successful. And whether that's weather data or you know, location data or target detection data, or, or the, the, you know, the heart rate of a soldier in a squad because you're trying to you know, keep it, keep, uh, you know, because you're, you're monitoring your force you know, down to that level. That's, that's what's possible in this environment. But keeping all that data straight, the, the, the organizational problem on the front end is like we need to purposefully think through how that data is going to be used so that we can catalog it and put it in the right places. And so like we, what we don't want to do is just sort of ad hoc walk into this space and figure out, hey, I wonder if we have any data about this decision, right? You know, I, I could make a much better decision right now if I had data about the weather. We need to make sure that, that we know, yes, you do have data about the weather and here it is, right? And so like that, that sort of enterprise visibility of where those data sets are, that's another huge task that we're you know, we're just now wrestling with, right? Like, do we, you know, do we need to you know, bring in somebody to help us with this, for example? Like, do we actually need a data, you know, librarian and somebody who manages a data library that makes it, uh, you know, that, of course, we'll pay them a lot of money, right? So it's so just not like any librarian. This is like a, this is, this is a war fighting task, right? And then, you know, we can do this with soldiers and sailors, uh, or, you know, we can do it with contractors. We got to figure this all out now as part of our enterprise evolution. Because if we really have that data enterprise solid and we know what we have, we know where it is, we know how to use it, then magic begins to happen, right? Because now you can start doing analytics. Now you can start doing AI. Now you can start to really proliferate the tools that need data as a fuel. So you get your fuel source laid down, then you can start bringing vehicles to the fight, right? All right, sir, I'm going to get ahead of that because I know what the question is going to be from my audience is, so is there an acquisition for that? When should we look out for the RFP? I know a lot of vendors listen to the show, so I'll yeah. try to I'll try to get ahead of it for you. Is there any kind of thought process about whether or not you're going to need that data librarian sooner or later? And and what what is there any timing for a decision around the process? Yeah, the, there isn't. We're just okay. talking about it right now. But but I can I can I can respond to that though if you. I think I think we're better off to uh, just say it's it's very early stages, and when when there is more to share, you will because that way you yeah. don't get a ton of emails from from our friends in the vendor community telling them how they can help you right now. Okay, sir, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. There's more to talk about, I'm sure. My guest today is Lieutenant General Michael Gruen, the director of the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center for the Defense Department. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Pure Storage on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Pure Storage on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Lieutenant General Michael Gruen, the Director of the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center for the Defense Department. Now, General Gruen, last segment, we're talking a lot about data and the, the idea that not only do you have to understand what your data is, but, but how to kind of bring it together and, and make sure that everyone has access to data. And there's another program you mentioned, Data Cards, which was a great example I also want to talk about this AI and data accelerator program. Walk me through what that is and, and how, what's the goals there. The chief data officer 
has got a big task and that organization is just moving 100 miles an hour to kind of help to start get our arms our arms around that. And so we team very closely with the uh, with the chief data officer. So we have an the ADA stands for the AI and Data Accelerator. And ADA, the acronym, actually is a pretty cool uh, shout out to Ada Lovelace, right? The, uh, the, the, you know, considered to be the first programmer. So we're actually pretty excited about that. It's a pretty cool nexus, right, of an algorithm in history. And so, so like, we're, we're, uh, we're approaching that, you know, as, as a team, and we're, I think it's going to be great. So here's the, um, the teammates, you know, where Ada is uh, probably the premier, premier example of how we integrate data and AI capabilities together. And, the, and the, the focus of our efforts here under ADA is the combatant commands and the combatant command decision environment. And so the partners in the ADA team include the CDO, it includes the Jake, the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center. The CIO is a, is, a, is a partner because obviously they own the networks and the network environment. The Defense Digital Service is a partner because they're looking at ways to accelerate data handling and to, you know, to provide some over-the-shoulder assistance with, uh, you know, with process flow. Uh, research and engineering, the R&E enterprise is a partner because through ADA, we think that we'll be able to create transition pipelines from our research and development organizations into implemented technology, implemented decision-making at the tactical edge. And so we're, we're, you know, we're really excited about that, about all the team members here. What ADA is, you, we know that Joint Force Commanders today struggle with overwhelming environment of data, overwhelming decision environment, and, and today, uh, I would it'd be hard to articulate the way we do integration today. It's, it's usually, you, know, you can picture in your head, most of, most of you have seen this, you know, rooms full of airmen behind uh, monitors with nine chat rooms open, and each one of them is looking at a stovepipe. You know, one set of data implemented through one algorithm or one system that produces one set of insights. And those chat rooms are cut and pasted into a PowerPoint slide and a PowerPoint slide goes to a commander somewhere who now has to somehow bring all this data together, you know, in his or her head to, uh, you know, to make good decisions. That is not a modern way to make decisions. That is not a modern way to use data to help your decision making. And so ADA uh, is, is an experimental program to like start working with combatant commands and build a decision environment for them. And to, to use their priorities as our guide and their challenges, which are immense, to help us like struggle with some of the things that are most important to our combatant commanders and, the, and then in the environment that those decisions have to be made. It's really important that we do it this way because we want to make rapid progress, but we want to make rapid progress in the right direction, right? And so, you, you know, there's a, you know, certainly uh, ground ponders, we talk about smooth is fast, right? So you don't wanna be frenetic and build lots of shiny objects somewhere. You wanna be purposeful about what you do. And if you're purposeful, then you can be smooth and you build a process to do this. And that's what we're after. ADA is gonna make us fast through process, not through frenetic activity, by, by building capabilities and then archiving those capabilities, pulling those, those capabilities together. And so ADA begins with a data environment. So the chief data officer and that team are building, uh, they're, they're building what they call operational data teams, which will go to combatant commands and help combatant commands with their data environment, help them make sense of the data, help them predict data flows and how they will have to use that data in, in, you know, in a crisis environment. So the ODTs are kind of a key element you know, on the front end to make sure that the data flows in the right way. 
Then we're bringing in uh, elements of AI through the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center, and then also through USDI's uh, MAVEN initiative to bring AI capability now into this data environment. And our approach is to take workflows out of combatant command and then see where we can automate or accelerate those workflows through the integration of data, right? So real human machine teaming by, by taking a look at how decisions are made and how processes are conducted today. And so each time we do that, each time we write an AI algorithm to support a decision process or a workflow, that becomes, if you will, an app, right? So now you have an application that can solve that, that type of problem or work in that environment we need to collect those apps into an app store, right? And so we're building a platform environment that now serves as, a, uh, as, the, as the repository for what you could think of as a joint operating system, right? You can think of other, you know, iOS or Android or any of these other operating systems that are out there, you know, where you have predictable capabilities that work together by design and they house applications that are written by third parties that solve individual, individual challenges, right? But, but in, in aggregate, if you collect those apps into an app store or an app store-like environment, now you have the ability to, uh, to not only solve multiple workflows at a combatant command, but you can also scale, right? Because you can, most of our combatant commanders have very similar challenges. It's in different parts of the world or with different functions, but you can now start to scale horizontally by fielding those algorithms or those apps, making those apps available, customizing them for combatant commands across the globe. And then you can scale vertically as well by adding more and more apps to the stack of capability. So now you have uh, a, an enterprise capability that, uh, that responds to combatant command needs. One of the things that coming as you went through this is these operational data teams. Help me understand what they look like. Is it civilians and soldiers? Is it contractors? And how many combatant commands do you have that need these teams? Everyone, but but how do you have enough teams? I mean, it seems like a, you know, obviously a pretty big lift to, to, to kick off. The CDO is hiring these teams now and putting them together. They're, they will be government civilians augmented by contractors. And so, and, and, and our, our intent is to have them at every combatant command. Every command command has a you know has the same sort of significant data problem. They're meant to be enduring. We'll see how long they're necessary, but uh, my sense is that they will be necessary for a long time because yeah. we, you know that data environment that that Niagara Falls of data isn't going away. It's only going to get bigger. And, and then the Jake's role, and you mentioned, you mentioned uh, USDI's Maven program. What kind of capabilities do you see the Jake bringing to this environment? For example, you, you know, the, the Maven team, you know, from USDI, they have some great object recognition technology. So now if you can provide capabilities, you know, for object recognition and imagery, you know, for example, to the combatant commands, the combatant commands, and if you automate parts of that process, then combatant commands can do a lot with that information. Similarly, you know, with the Jake, you know, we, we're doing things like, uh, you know, we have a, we have a, a, a program to help combatant commanders uh, make decision response decisions. You know, given these capabilities that you have at your disposal, these capable, you know, this one or these two might be your preferred options because they are closer to the target. They have the right munitions available. They can have the effect that you seek. You know, you might want to preserve some other capability for another decision. So, I mean, that's just, those are just two of thousands of examples of ways that you can help a, a commander make quicker and better decisions by giving him or her options based on data, right? Here's your logistics status. Now, 
you might want to send more gas to that place because they're they're about out of gas. That's the kind of stuff that you can do, you know, once you have an AI environment. And then finally, the third piece of this is the platform environment you mentioned serving as a repository for the applications. The other piece of this is the underlying infrastructure and this idea that, okay, what's all this data going to live on? What's it going to run on? I'm sure we could go down the path of cloud, but about up on a break. So let me just get you started down that path and we'll, then we'll take our break and then we'll, we'll come back and we'll continue. How are you all thinking about the, the underlying platform for ADA or whatever AI capabilities we're talking about? Maybe the first component of, of ADA might be considered the discovery component. Because like I said, we're not interested in doing something in a lab environment back here in Conus. We're interested in, in the real-time decision environment of a combatant commander. Can we build capabilities that, that add value? And the first component of that is, are the networks sufficient to operate with AI, right? So if we were building a commercial network, we would have service level agreements for reliability. We would have service level agreements for latency. We would have service level agreements for you know, uptime and, and, and all of the other things that you'd expect in, a, in an internet scale uh, architecture. We don't have any of that stuff, right? And so like what the first, our first journey of discovery is, all right, does the latency at combatant command X that is far away from the flagpole, does the latency you know, of their network to that environment preclude the use or the effective use of AI? These are the kind of things, you know, do we need to change our cloud strategy? Do we need to add nodes in our cloud strategy? Do we need to, uh, you know, to, to create those, the equivalent of service level agreements for uptime and reliability? We're discovering all this through this process so that the CIO can then take that back home and figure out like, all right, you know, our networks are weapon systems in this environment, 100%. And so now we start treating them like weapon systems and we, you know, we levy the right requirements uh, so the CIO uh, can gain the capabilities here to, you know, to make this kind of fast warfighting uh, available and, and, and possible. All right, there's more to talk to, I'm sure. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will continue our conversation. My guest today is Lieutenant General Michael Gruen, the Director of the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center at the Defense Department. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Pure Storage on Federal News Network. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. For news on the federal pay raise. To learn how other agencies handle IT modernization. To see how Congress funds my agency. For changes to my TRICARE benefits. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Pure Storage on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Lieutenant General Michael Gruen, the director of the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center at the Department of Defense. Now, General Groom, before break, we started to talk a little bit about the underlying network and the importance of that underlying network in the sense that if it's not there, then the rest of this, all this other work we're talking about today, the data, the algorithms, the APIs aren't going to work well. You mentioned that there's some discussion around how does it work at the operational, at the tactical edge? What's the current thinking about just the network more generally? And then, and then how's that kind of setting you up for maybe the longer term viewpoint of, of what you need? to support these capabilities? The platform environment is really important here because you know, ADA is a, a series of experiments. And so, but through ADA, again, this gets to, uh, you know, we wanna go fast and we wanna build lots of algorithms to help combat command decision-making, 
but we also want to make steady progress in the direction we need to go. And the direction we need to go is enterprise capabilities. So what we want to do through ADA is begin to build a platform environment, data platform environment, a developmental platform, what we call a fabric that stitches together our developmental platforms across the services in the Jake. And then we want to also make sure that our operational environment, where those operational AIs live and work when, uh, you know, when the data is flowing. And so we've got to get that platform environment squared away across all three of those dimensions. We're not going to do this overnight, obviously, right? And we're going to, you know, we're going to make progress quickly while we continue to make progress, you know, in a, in a more measured way in, in this platform environment. And, and the platforms will build, you know, we'll, we will have platforms that we will use as part of our experimental process. We know that those won't be the final solution for, you know, for plat our platform environment, but we think that we will have a good, you know, good measure of what's going to be required for sort of that objective platform environment once we actually uh, turn this on. I, I, th I think like all of this, you, you know, there's, there is no JADC2 program per se. But if we do this experimentation with the combatant commanders and we build this platform architecture and we have a, a, you know, a, our data controlled and we have algorithms that are responsive to combatant command problems, we're getting really close to any sensor informing any decision across the joint force. That's a lot like JADC2, you know, what we call JADC2 today, right? So there's no JADC2 program. But this is really getting us much closer to where we think that, you know, what that looks like and how we're going to do that. So, so through, this, uh, through this series, I think we're going to make a lot of progress in that, in that regard. All right, obviously, more to come on that, and we will obviously talk to you as, as it continues to develop. The other path I just want to go down briefly as well is you mentioned ADA, you mentioned several other priorities. Uh, one other thing that seems to come up is, and, and you know, maybe we'll call it the small AI type of, of use cases or case studies or... How's the Jake helping maybe the Army or the Air Force or whomever kind of address maybe those one-offs or smaller pieces of AI that could help them immediately today versus something that's more long-term like ADA? We are operating within the state-of-the-art in the AI space. Now, we're lucky because we have a commercial environment around us that is at least a decade ahead of us. And so we have a lot of good lessons to observe. And we have lots of you know, technology and capability you know, in the you know, physical infrastructure, in compute power, in AI algorithm training. You know, there's lots of, you know, lots of new stuff coming on board. Um, but where we are, you know, the, our sweet spot still to this day is you know, object detection in imagery, which is kind of a, you know, kind of a, a well-defined space. Things like natural language processing for use in you know, policy generation, for example. Or, you, you know, like if you want to search a body of, of documents to find out which ones are most relevant to your problem or to the policy that you're trying to write or a process you're trying to define, you can use AI to do that. And so we're fielding those kind of AI engines for some of that work. It sounds kind of simple, but actually the results can be pretty profound, right? So, you know, the, like, you, like one of the things that the department has, has pursued relentlessly is like auditability, right? Well, well, you can use artificial intelligence now to help you in your journey to, art, to auditability by identifying unmatched financial transactions, by identifying policy mismatches or process mismatches. And you can do the same thing on the, you know, on the warfighting edge, right? If you're, if you're writing a complex O plan you know, for a theater, um, you want to make sure that everybody has the same H hour. Right. And so so you can use an algorithm to make sure that your 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 O plan is consistent and, and uh, you know, and integrated. 
I want to shift over to another kind of topical area because I, I think it's important to touch upon. As we started the conversation, General Gruen, I mentioned that Jake's been around for about three years. And I think one of the things is you went through the evolution and the, the implementation, the innovation, the in- integration side of it. There's some lessons that are, that, that are being developed and, and understood better. And then how are you kind of applying AI to address those problems? And, and as other agencies, whether civilian world or DOD world, develop AI policies or AI strategies, what's that message to them? What, what, what have you learned from the Jake's perspective that you can share with others? No surprise, culture is the biggest obstacle, right? The culture is the biggest rock that we have to move. I honestly would posit the uh, ratio is about 20% technological and about 80% cultural. And what I mean by that is uh, we have people operating in good faith across the department, so please don't get me wrong. But, but, but our processes are derived from a 1960s era hardware-focused environment. And in an environment where you know, the Department of Defense was a leader in research, right? And the commercial environment benef- benefited from that. There's this tech, tech inversion today, right? Where in the information space, in these data-driven capabilities, um, the commercial environment is way in front of us, right? And so our machine, which is kind of designed to produce hardware and to, to spin off research results, now has to work in reverse because we need to take research results from the commercial environment and best practices from the commercial environment and integrate them into our capabilities. And so that kind of gums up the machine, right? So we got to figure out like, how do we, you know, how do we do that? How do we benefit from the great innovation that's out there in the U.S. uh, economic environment and uh, in our academic environment? So that's a really important piece, right? We have to shift that culture from a hardware mindset to a software mindset. And a software mindset and software-based capabilities, I mean, foundationally, they are built to evolve continuously, which means you field a piece of software and you're already behind, right? So 1.0 has to chase to catch up with the real environment. And you get to 1.5 and you realize like, oh my God, we're we're still, you know, we still have to fix this. We need to change that. We need to expand this piece. That sort of continuous capability development in a software environment is, is a real challenge culturally to the department because our processes are gates for hardware programs, right? And so we're, we're, we're working across the department, uh, you know, not just the Jake, obviously, but everybody in the department is working to how do we do this faster? How do we recognize like what it means to be a software integration organization? The Department of Defense has not been one to date. It needs to be going forward. General, I've very much enjoyed our conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. So let me thank my guest. Lieutenant General Michael Gruen is the director of the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center at the Department of Defense. Uh, General Lieutenant General Gruen, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciate the opportunity and it's a great story. And I really appreciate the work that you do in illuminating all of these great stories across the department. So, uh, so really, really well done. Well, thank you and uh, appreciate your time today as well. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Pure Storage on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.